Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, welcome to Homo Sapiens. My name is William Young. My name is Christopher Sweeney. Quick, we've got a lot to get through today. Quick and dirty. <laughs> what have we got on the on the stove? Yeah. On the episode oh, stove. What's that cooking? I've got five hundred grams of uh, Twitter questions. Oh, I know what you're doing. <laughs> a knob of Trevor Project. Now, the Trevor Project is the LGBTQ plus suicide prevention helpline in America, who are doing incredible work. Who we went to see when we went to New York as part of our US American tour. We've got Twitter questions. We turned the tables this week, didn't we? We said, yeah. you ask us a question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's one about circumcision, which we're not going to answer. But aside from that, there's plenty of others. And I'm going to share with you a life or death moment that I had. I'm not talking about going up to the till and top man. What have we got in the room with us? We've got a beautiful present that my friend gave presents. me. Presents. Yeah, it's a bowl with an urn inside. I'll put a photo on I'll put a photo on Instagram. Yes, so really everyone nice. can see it. Yes. And then it will be sold to the highest bidder. Yes. What? No. Uh, uh, it's very lovely. I got a very good price for it. Brought back by you from Morocco for your dear friend Chris. I really appreciate it. Thank you. De nada. You gave me a beautiful lamp for my garden. Now I've got a bowl for the room next to my garden. I don't do mind. you no you're like me you regret giving presents i do regret giving you the lamp but i also remember buying you a chair once and i don't know what happened to that i never knew about do that you remember i think i bought it from margaret howe what so, oh fuck sorry i, I should never have that. told you that and where is it it must be in your house i have absolutely no idea the it. only thing i can imagine is annabelle young managed to sweep it up uh, with one of annabelle her young aka wings. five finger discount <laughs> You know, once she came to see a concert and I said, my mother's in the audience. I said, watch out for her. We call her the magpie. She'll steal anything within five yards. <laughs> People literally started looking around. A spotlight went on to her. She had her hand in someone's handbag. Well, this is the other thing. Also, being, ow, my elbow. I always think being a pop star, no one's going to think that you're going to nick anything. Mm-hmm. We've stolen something before together. Your face. You I look stole so a worried. once. We stole two glass jars from Arding Lai Market. Oh, we did. It was sort of by accident. Yeah, because we went to one... Didn't we go to one place that sold them? They just gave them to us. And then we realised we'd gone to the wrong place. Yes. So then we went to the original one we bought it from. Got the I others. still got those. And we, I remember us going through the car park going, run, 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 yeah. run. <laughs> you may notice the top I'm wearing. It's really nice. It's a bright yellow jumper and it says happy on it in a sort of varsity, American varsity style. I like that description. And um, am I varsity like within it? Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Um, God, I'm good. It's done by Franny. Uh, I used to call her Franoir Le Manoir. I don't know why. <laughs> and she used to work at 90 Management, who I was with, and I'd go and sit on the bin of truth when I was hungover and tell her everything I'd got up to the night before with my friend Chris Sweeney. Love it. And... Um, she is now doing this thing called Pickle of London, and I th- and some money goes I've to. I've heard of it. Have you? Yeah, they're doing really well. Money goes to Mind, and obviously it's a business as well. And they have all these tops that say Happy on them, and lots of other things. They're really nice. Yeah, and lots of my friends have been buying them now, and uh, I'm really, I'm really well. I am happy. What have you been up to this week, William? I went to Cornwall. 
Robin Young. That's why you're brown. Yes. Okay. And I think I sent you a thing of him singing because he was singing Beyonce. Yes, crazy oh, in love. Oh, 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 you know. Oh, <laughs> but getting it slightly wrong. Love that. Oh, 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 I love that song, darling. With a little kickback of the yeah. Oh, chapeau. And uh, so I spent the time with Robin Young. We watched the rugby. There were three games of rugby. Chop some wood. Love it. Good for the brain. Went to Asda. Mm-hmm. Took the dogs for a walk. Love. And. This has been doing stuff with my video because my video will be coming out, I think, this week. People are. They're clambering for it. They are. Fever the, pitch. There excitement. is fever pitch. I mean, I went into Dorothy Perkins the other day, mm-hmm. which is where we're exclusively airing it in the <laughs> linen section. Yes. To t- timing in with Easter. Yeah. Oh, is. 100% polyester. <laughs> me. <laughs> Put a flame near me. Poof. I'm oh up. my God, that's my drag name. Polyester. Polyester's a great name. <laughs> Should we do a drag show? Should we do a drag night? I'd love that. Would you? Mm. Would you come as Kate Moss? No, because it didn't work out the first time. So, <clears throat> I... Like a little bird clearing its face. <laughs> my poor husband worked for the entire weekend. He went into work on Saturday morning and he did not get home until Sunday night. He worked, He slept in the office. So all my plans went out the window. It was just me and the dog. Oh, dear. And we bustled around the house, making it nice. Uh, went to Columbia Road. Columbia Road's a lovely flower oh, yeah, market sorry. in London. Slightly got into the garden because the sun was out. Ordered a hydrangea for the garden. Yes. Going to dig some stuff up. My yes. banana trees died. It oh, no. is hijinks out there. Oh, no. So I had a bit of a rummage around that, sorting that out. And then I, and then I sort of decided, I can't remember where I read it, but there's this really good thing for your brain, apparently which I'm going to try and do, don't. which is you don't complain for 21 days. <gasps> and apparently it is life-changing. So that's what I'm trying to do. I think I've already complained about 400 times today, so I'll have to start I'd tomorrow. That, I'd find that really difficult. It's apparently amazing for your mindset. Been doing journaling. Have you ever done that? Oh, God, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do do you, you like it? Yeah, do you do the one when you... Like a lino print, you roll paint on your face and then you just imprint your face onto a onto a, a bit of paper. That's no, journaling, that, isn't it? No, that's called an episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Oh, and they that's, charged me 45 quid. That's why they incarcerated me. <laughs> so journaling is where you sit down for 20 minutes and you have to just write whatever's in your head. The name of the game is to not stop writing and just empty your head and you will get all this stuff out and someone described it as like the windscreen wipers on the windscreen for your day so you just get all that stuff out and then you can begin your day i was actually taught it for the first time in creative writing at university and we had a teacher called john i think his name was he wrote the show zed cars for fact fans among us and he was like you've got to do it and i kind of we did it a bit in the classes and then i've once in a while come to and from it and then I just thought I'd try it again and uh, I enjoy it I, who knows if it works but I think you've got to do it for at least a few weeks anything that gets it out that's the key isn't it well. that's how I approach the loo <laughs> got a bottle no. of prune juice I just say to Nelly anything that gets this out and a sip of <laughs> now for this week um, we were going to ask you all a question and then everybody answers and that's really fun. And then we thought, 
Well, why don't we just say, ask us any question? We ask you a load of questions, listeners. Why don't you ask us a question? Use our brains, use our knowledge, use our wisdom. We had such good replies. Call me Magnus Magnuson. <laughs> you call yourself Will Young, for example. Yes, because that's, yep. Andrew Tigg. Dun, 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 dun. When will we hear the first single from your new album, Will? Soon. Great. Don't know why I'm looking away. I think he I could think have come up with that soon. one himself, though, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's soon. I, th- I think it's the, the, the end of this week, maybe next week. Historically, never ask a pop star when their song's out, yeah, is never. what I would say. Is that true? Because they just yeah, never know. they always just look around. <laughs> Frightened. Yes. Emily says, did you two make the video for Come On Together? I'd rather forget. Because that's <laughs> my favourite of Will's. Someone Are you remembers. going to make another one? And have you thought of doing an interview on asexuality? There's a lot of questions in there. We did do Come On Together. We did. Love that video. Mm, Me too. I do. Me too. I think it's brilliant. Uh, Will we make another one? No. I don't think I'm going to make another music video. You're done. Yeah. I think if I'm really down on my luck, we could probably make (laughs) make one. (laughs) Things have got really I'll choose to ignore that. Have you thought of doing an interview on asexuality? Well, slightly relinked. Have you seen that Sam Smith has said in the past couple of days that he is non-binary he's oh. neither male nor female oh. not that asexuality is the same thing but uh, it's very of the moment I feel like we should talk to people about asexuality yeah so is that people that don't have sex asexual adjective one without sexual feelings or associations asexual individuals may still experience attraction but this attraction doesn't need to be realised in any sexual manner See summer two thousand and four for me. <laughs> Two biology. A fallow year. <laughs> Boy, did I press some flesh. <laughs> to biology of reproduction, not involving the fusion of gay mets. A noun: a person who has no sexual feelings or desires. Or me on a Sunday. <laughs> I didn't go being through that. They call it sexual anorexia. Really. Mm-hmm. I was I was ana- sexually anorexic for for two years for, for twenty seven minutes. <laughs> I got every specialist I could in the room. Two years. Two years, really. Yeah. When twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen, I didn't have sex. Now, of course, I'm not saying that asexuality is a phase. I just was remembering my sexual anorexia, which is different. I think the the sort of house style here is we start talking about something serious and then completely disappear off onto complete <laughs> random crap. So, um, thank you for that question. Mm. If you could go back in time, is there anything you would do that you regret and would do differently? I wouldn't sing on World Idol. I sang on World Idol and it was just awful. And I felt like I, my, a part of my spirit was dampened. So World Idol was what? It was all the winners of Pop Idol in one show over Christmas and New Year, about two years or three years after the original Pop mm-hmm. Idol in the UK. And Simon Fuller said to me, they won't be nasty to you, I can assure you. And this person was really nasty to me, one of the judges. Really? I was probably being a bit bullshit because I didn't want to be there. And I walked down uh, the corridor at whatever that studio was, Fountain Studios, and Simon Fuller said... Um, I wish you hadn't. Twerked. I promise you, I will sort it out. They weren't meant to do it, and I said, "Well, they just fucking did," and walked off. And because they were mean to you, yeah. Why were they mean? I don't know. You've won TV. Nice. I know. Bit of fun. And I also wanted to sing. They, I sang like my fire, but I wanted to sing Lisa Stansfield. I may not be a lady, but I'm a woman. I love that. And they wouldn't. I may you. not be a lady. Available twenty seventh of May. But I'm all woman. I love that song. 
From Monday to Sunday, <laughs> I work my fingers to the we bone. We have to pay if you do anymore. I'm not. <laughs> See how quickly I stop. I'm not. Someone's been, someone's been to the accountant. Yeah. Someone's been briefed. Whoop. Now, do I have any? I don't have any regrets because I just think it's all in the past, whatever. Yeah. And I know that sounds almost smug, but I don't mean it like that. No, I think that's really good. I think I've tortured myself in the past about that stuff and Mm. I just go... What's the biggest misconception about you both? That we're nice. That we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) That we get on. So many people have asked questions like that, actually. No. What, that we actually get on? Do you guys ever fight or argue? We've never had an argument. Breaking up old ground. But I I don't think I've had an argument with in work with many people you kind of have an issue and then you raise it but you can't have had as much therapy as you or and i and be able to launch headlong into an argument no no we've had like a couple of discussions but they were mm. never heated and also i have to say we do what's a black eye i do think we do we've done them really well i had to sit and listen to you tell me why i was difficult to work with <laughs> For about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But it was great because like... Longer than 20 minutes. It was, it was about half an hour. <laughs> um, and we set it up in the way that it was all very clean. So it wasn't an attack. And then, yeah, it was difficult yeah. to hear. And then I have to work on my stuff to be like, it's okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought it was really good for me. So I'm not sure there's many people I argue with because I just think I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't answered what is the biggest misconception about you both. Do you know what? We have the most wonderful community on Instagram who message us all the time and on Facebook saying such lovely things. But someone did message us the other day. I opened it and it said, you guys are assholes or something. Oh, I love that. And I was like, oh, but I don't even know if it was us for us, quite frankly. Maybe that's me. But message us if you know of any misconceptions about William or I. Kez says, would you like to host this type of show on television? Would love to watch you both hosting your own chat show. Yes. Absolutely. Like old school parky style. Yeah, 100%. You and me. And do you know what the bonus thing would be? What would separate us from the others? Uh, We'd eat. (laughs) We'd eat throughout the whole thing. Noisy crisps. So like Madonna's there, Cher. Hang on a sec. Yeah. Hang on a bloody sec. Uh uh Do we do this? Do we do... Was it called Late Lunch with Mel and Sue? Yes. Do we do that? Is it a daytime show what, where the, we have food? The show that was famously axed, that one. Yeah, but it was axed after a while. Why was it axed? No one watched it. I loved that show, by the way. Late Lunch and Light Lunch. Do you remember? So there was Light Lunch in the day and then Late Lunch was at night, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, something like that. We go daytime. We go loose women. We go daytime. We take them on. Take on the big boys. I loved it. Do you know what? Do you know how much I would love? I've said this to you before, but... I would love to present a show like Cash in the Attic or one of those kinds of shows. Oh, my God. Um, um, um. Um, What is it when they buy houses as well? Uh, Homes Under the Hammer. And that lovely guy called Alistair presents it. Oh, yeah, the sort of posh, rambly one. Yeah. I met him at a party. Did you? so nice. I bet he's rich as creases, that man. He is so handsome in the flesh. It's Crazy. Someone at your Christmas party who you wanted to set me up with. Was that him? It was yeah. him. Yes, he came to my Christmas party. John has a very funny question. 
What's the longest you've taken to post out a T-shirt? And was it to Rona? Well, I think this is one for William, isn't it? I think this question from Will Young. I think probably about seven to eight months. There are still people who haven't had their T-shirts. Yeah, but that now it's passed on. It's out of my hands. Oh, yeah, I, went, yeah. I went into liquidation. You're like the David Cameron who's just oh. left and gone, yeah. nothing to do with me, yeah. mate. And, but given lots of people intense uh, pain, OBEs and CBEs as I left, including yes. my wife's stylist. Why didn't you knight me? What a c- Oh. Sorry. What a c- um, I've said it now. I'll say it again. Um, what a c- <laughs> He's got really good skin, though. I'm just going to tell you that much. Has he? Glowing. Yeah, I met him once. Glowing skin. Really? Yeah. No one's going to remember him, are they? I've said it. Sorry, I've said it. Although he did do a lot for LGBT people. So I'm going to give him that. Hello, this is for Chris. Words of wisdom on male marriage. I need some role models. I don't really have any words of wisdom other than someone was asking me a little bit about marriage the other day. And I said, my one piece of advice to anyone who's married is don't listen too much. (laughs) This is terrible advice. Don't listen too much to what they want. Like, just kind of do it if you know in the long run it's good for them. Because sometimes in a marriage it can become this committee about moving forwards together on everything. And actually sometimes you go, do you know what? I know that this is the right thing for us to do. And then afterwards... Because I know you so well, you'll tell me it was the right thing to do. Oh, yeah. What do you think? Is that terrible? No, I think everyone does it. We all do it. It depends if it's malicious or if it's, you know, like we know each other's partners well. Mm. So we kind of like... Well, like you don't want to go to this dinner, but I know you'll have fun when you get there. And I know what you're like. That Often you don't want to go to things and you enjoy them. Yeah. Vina Mike says, what's the kindest thing a stranger has done for you? Love that. This is years ago and it sprung into my mind when I read it. I was in Fulham Baths when I was about six years old, seven years old, I suppose. And they had a wave machine there. I don't know if anyone listening will remember. Fulham Baths in London, they had a wave machine and it would go off on the hour, every hour. There'd be this and siren and then the whole pool would start turning into a wave machine. I was swimming in the deep end and... In order to make the waves happen, there was this suction thing below the level of the water. And I got sucked onto it and was stuck against it. And was like half the time my head was out the water, half the time it was under the water. And I was like, like drowning, obviously not drowning because I wouldn't be here. And um, this kid came, this boy who must have been three, four years older, came out of nowhere, pulled me off, rescued me and delivered me to my mum and then disappeared. No. Maybe the kid was an angel who's not actually there. Maybe. He was very nice looking. And it was, I haven't thought about it. It's so weird that I read that and I just hadn't thought about it for years. That must have been quite scary. It was, and I don't quite understand why I was the first person to discover that happened to the Fulham Bards wave machine. Well, we don't want to create a lawsuit, but maybe you weren't the first person. Oh my God, I'm going to sue them. Investigative journalism? Just call me Louis Who? Would you like to be an investigative journalist? Do you know, it's really funny you say that. Uh, I don't think I would. <laughs> Sweeney, uh, Mm. who do we talk to this week? This week, we went to the Trevor Project in New York. Yes, it was the end of our trip, wasn't it? It was the end of our trip. Battered and bruised, we arrived (laughs) in Manhattan Island in New York. The end of our trip across America for our LGBTQ plus tour of the US. And the Trevor Project is a suicide helpline focusing specifically on LGBTQ plus people. So if anyone might think they'll find this triggering then take a pause and um come back to it later what's interesting about 
Trevor for me is that it's a suicide helpline and that is all the things you imagine. And they're doing incredible work with young LGBTQ plus people all over America. But I think this is actually really about mental health. That's what interests me. And one of the things that they say, which was the most transformative thing, is that you do not have to call Trevor when you're feeling suicidal. You can call them whenever. And so it's it's about, and I think that says so much about mental health in general, is trying to move our negotiations with mental health away from crisis points hmm. and having, so you can call up Trevor or you can go on their website and go on the chat bot if you just Google Trevor Project and just talk to them about how you're feeling and maybe it was something that happened six weeks ago and you don't want it to happen again or maybe you were sucked into a wave machine maybe you were sucked into a wave machine something when you were six up. yeah you want to talk about now and you'd like an attorney yeah that's what I think is interesting about what this place represents it's about the future of mental health specifically they're looking after people at a crisis point it's maybe not our most light-hearted interview however I think it's very important and I was really thrilled that we went to meet them and it kind of tied in because we didn't know this but Troy Savan was they were his sort of charity on the tour that he people would donate he supported, to yeah. he supported them so it was a nice kind of link in which we didn't know well it's nice because the Samaritans are doing amazing things here but the numbers for LGBTQ plus teens and suicide are huge right and they are specifically focused on those kids so we had we had to go and talk to them because they're doing some of the most brilliant work in america around the lgbtq plus community yeah so we hot-footed it down to somewhere in manhattan to see brock and christina who both work at the trevor project and were a typical example of what an amazing place it is they were really lovely warm people and because we're sticky beaks the pair of us we had to get to know them first i'm very fortunate i grew up um in canada originally and in progressive communities and I had a accepting family. I actually have a gay younger brother. Almost because I had a relatively smooth experience coming out uh, at 16, I don't know, I kind of want to harness that privilege and help others. I think that's one of the reasons why I do the work that I do. Because um, I know absolutely that's not the case for everybody. So if I have a little bit more ability to give to others I I try to mm. I didn't uh, always accept my identity I, I acutely remember times that I wish I wasn't attracted to men and that was really distressing and I just saw myself as somebody who would just never have relationships I would always keep it inside I remember those thoughts um, but eventually made a close group of friends and no one in that group was was queer but I felt like I did have the friend support to be a bit more honest and authentic and then from there shared with my family and that was well received mm. and again that is not uh, the case for everybody so I guess I experienced firsthand what it's like to have support in your life and how freeing that can be mm. to have a safe space a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Things like Trevor Space, our online social networking website, is a, is a virtual, it's real, but it's online, a community of supportive young people that can make it a bit safer to be your authentic self. And what is the situation with education here of young kids in terms of LGBT inclusivity? Are they taught things? What are they taught? It's extremely varied across the country and sometimes up to the whim of an individual teacher or school department, education department. It's a fascinating story how Trevor started, isn't it? There was a short film named Trevor that came out um, 20 years ago. And the film was about a young boy who was struggling with coming out and um, was having these feelings of crisis, these feelings of depression. HBO actually picked up the film and was going to air it. And the folks involved realized that this is a great film to show. This is a great uh, short story to show. However, there is no resource for individuals to reach out to if they were to watch this and feel like they identify with Trevor. And so from this uh, lifeline was made. Uh, so our 24-7 lifeline started back then, obviously, um, in a different capacity. Um, and we've grown since then. So we now have a lifeline that's 24-7. We also have our Trevor Chat and Trevor Text, which allows youth to reach out to us on a digital platform. And uh, we've got many other programs beyond that. What I was going to ask you, Brock, is so I think what happens a lot is there's a lot of people who want to call services like this but they just can't get quite over the hill, if you know what I mean. So I wonder if you could just describe what it's like to call. You can expect, whether you're calling or texting or opening up an instant message window with us, that a warm, compassionate person will be on the other end. And conversations will open up with, hey, this is Trevor, what's going on? And we really want the person who's reaching out to have the space to tell us what's going on and what's salient for them. They can also expect us to ask probing questions about are they thinking about killing themselves because this is a suicide prevention service. We try to reduce stigma by asking directly where that is for them. If they, no matter what the answer to those questions are going to be, we will still spend time with them and, and, and try to get to know what they're going through and see if there's ways that we can help. One of the big barriers for a counselor early on is is being worried about what the answer is going to be. And so we equip people to be able to handle whatever the, the honest answer is and then to go from there. And then, again, the, the, the caller, the young person who's reaching out, gets to tell us what, how we can help them, what they want. If they just want someone to listen, we're there for that. If they want us to help them find local resources, we're there for that as well. Mm. And have you had any people who have let you know that you've helped them afterwards or, you yeah. know... Are there any stories around that kind of thing? We'll occasionally get calls or chats where someone's following up a day later, weeks later, years later about how we helped through social media. We'll see sort of tweets and posts about positive experiences they've had with us. Mm -hmm. But I will say that one of the 
maybe more difficult aspects of being a volunteer is that you very rarely actually get to hear the rest of the story. After you end your conversation, we don't always know whether they sought out that resource, whether they had their, that conversation with their parents. And sort of sitting with that, you know, brief intimacy and then nothing coming from that is, is something that we sit with. Like, we, we talk about this a lot, like the idea of how do you talk about things like suicide in a way that doesn't alienate people, you know, and do you find that as well? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a really big stigma when it comes to suicide and yeah. you've got to get past that first hurdle. And I think um, we see it all the time when people are first coming to us as volunteers. Um, they're really nervous that they won't be able to do it. They don't know how to uh, talk about suicide on a daily basis and uh, they don't know if they're going to say the right thing or the wrong thing but it's actually okay to talk about it and I think when you let people know these are some of the myths that are out there about suicide these are some of the facts that are out there I actually think that's a really good way to start leveling the playing field at the very beginning what would you say are some myths yeah um there are a lot I think one of the most prevalent ones is that by talking about suicide, you are then going to encourage somebody or that somebody will then think, oh, well, I'd never had this thought before. They will then go and um, choose to take their life. Well, it was very interesting. We have a, a, a organization called the Samaritans in the UK. I don't know if they're international, actually, but I rang them. I was doing a show because I'm a performer and I was in my dressing room half an hour before going on stage for press night and I was like this is getting a bit out of control my suicidal ideations and thoughts and I know I don't want to kill myself so I know and kind of know the physiology about it the fact my brain's needing to do something the panic underneath that and I rang up the Samaritans we had a chat for a bit and then she said because I've got PTSD she said is it are you fed up with your PTSD or are you fed up with life? And I said, that's a brilliant question. Because so I said, I'm not fed up with life. I love life. I'm just fed up with the symptoms of my PTSD. And that completely calmed me down. It was a question, it wasn't advice, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So is that the kind of situational things that might happen with you guys? Yeah, that really resonates. I think a lot of times, a lot of the folks that we talk to are just in situations that feel untenable they don't know how to not feel the way that they're currently feeling anymore. And suicide then becomes a way out of that. It's not, like you're saying, not necessarily that they want to die, they just don't want to feel this way anymore. One of the things that we can do when we're speaking with them is just letting that be the case, like letting that, allowing them to feel that way and then maybe get to a place where we can explore other options besides suicide and give them a few more a menu maybe of different things that they could try before attempting but uh, really just sitting with that negative feeling in the first place can be very powerful. Because the reason we're really interested in it is that over in the UK it's you know the figures are staggering and it's 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 a real problem and no one's really knowing exactly how to address it, let's say. Um, and Will shared with me that he had suicidal thoughts. And my reaction was what you just described, where I was like, and my head just went, okay, he's gonna kill himself right now. You know what I mean? Like it became immediate and I was like, how do I stop this? Like it felt like you almost had to, you know when you see like a baby pick up something sharp? <laughs> but actually it's not, that's not the truth, is it? Like 
just because he's talking about it, it's going to make it better, not worse. Yeah. Is that well, right? It's, it's true. And, you know, one of the first things that we actually do in our training, um, particularly in our lifeline training, is we have our trainees practice go around the room and say, are you thinking of killing yourself? Because that is something that you have to actually ask when you are on the phone or when you are going through our chat and text and speaking to a youth who's reaching out to us in crisis. And that is a very scary thing to do at first. Um, I remember the first time that I had to do that as part of a training exercise that we did. It was a little jarring at first. What's coming up for me is a sense of validation Mm -hmm. of the feelings. Yeah, Yeah, that you're not irrational or, you know, that it's understandable with what you're going through that you would want a way out of this feeling. That is completely understandable. Maybe we can find other ways that are less harmful to get out of this feeling. Would you be able to just take us through, if possible, a bit of what the training is that for people who work in answering the calls? And then perhaps are there some takeouts from that for people who are listening who want to talk to their friend about whether they feel suicidal or not and what they should do. Like, should they address it or should they say, right, just call this number now or, you know? I think uh, an important concept is that suicidal ideation exists on a spectrum. You know, you said earlier that one of your first responses was that you had to do something. Do you have to take them to the hospital now? Is this an emergency? If someone's considering suicide, it might be. Um, But it might also be a passive thought and, and something more like, I just don't want to feel the way I'm feeling right now. And death is one of the things I'm thinking about as an alternative. So we encourage people to ask non-judgmentally and unapologetically about suicide and in detail. Are you thinking about suicide? Have you thought about how you would do it? When, you know, how developed is is your planning if you're planning at all? Um, and that's, that's all information um, that can be helpful to, to, to talk about alternatives. Um, and again, even just the act of getting a chance to, to let someone into what you're thinking about, what you're experiencing, can in and of itself be really powerful and, and maybe help with the suicidal thoughts. You feel less alone because someone's listening to you. Exploring alternatives to attempting as a way to address whatever the crisis is or these untenable feelings is something that could be effective. But we, we always encourage people to not hesitate to direct someone to our services or to a hotline or just let someone know that it exists. Um, it's not like you have to be a certain level of in crisis to be able to access crisis, a crisis line or crisis services, right? Anybody can reach out at any time. Suicide rates amongst the leap from young, heteronormative, cisgender people almost doubles to young gay men. I don't know the facts about young gay women. When I say young, I say under 25, which is... And then transgender is triple that of... Do you find that's kind of the case here What in terms of stats? And yeah, in the, within the US studies show that lesbian, gay and bisexual young people are four times more likely to consider suicide than their straight peers and I say lesbian, gay, bisexual because the research isn't really developed around transgender use but um, surveys of transgender adults have shown that uh, almost half of transgender adults have attempted suicide by the age of 25 so we know that that's 
disproportionate compared to their cisgender peers. And so similar to what you're describing, it's absolutely a, a, a higher, higher risk amongst queer folks and queer youth. Why do you guys think that is? There's such a m bigger leap. It's sort of environmental. These identities are less accepted. Things are changing, sure, but certain communities' environments are just remain hostile towards folks that aren't straight and cisgender. And then on top of that, if someone is going through something and then seeks out care, their mental health providers aren't necessarily going to be LGBTQ competent. So they might not be able to affirm someone's identity and, and give them the care that they might need. That's why something like Trevor that is, is focused on LGBTQ young people that has explicit training for counselors around these identities is so important. You know, we, we don't get caught up in trying to understand someone's identity. We can actually just get to the core of what they're going through, yeah. which may or may not even have anything to do with their sexual orientation or gender identity. In a, in a broader sense, how do you think we're doing in 2018? That's a loaded question. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, it's actually not as in, I think it's always good to be like, where did somewhere start? Where did it go? Where do we need to go next? I suppose that's yeah. the, the question. I think it's been really exciting, at least on the advocacy front, to see the work that we've been doing with our 50 Bills, 50 States campaign, which is to protect youth against conversion therapy. And I could say that that's one place where I feel proud of the work that we've done in 2018 and exciting work to, to come on the horizon. I was speaking with um, some folks from our advocacy department just earlier this week and, and hearing the prep work they're doing to try and get ready for the next round of kind of states that they want to go and build coalitions in. I think it's been a year of a lot of growth for Trevor in many ways, a lot of really exciting growth as we've again built out our advocacy team more as we're focusing a lot on the expansion of our digital services. And I think a lot of what is allowing us to grow is realizing that our services are needed now uh, even more than ever. We're seeing increased call volumes. You know, this year, uh, by the end of the year, we'll have seen about 75,000 uh, calls. And I use the word calls to represent the chats and texts mm. as well that we're seeing coming in. And so um, there is a reason that we're doing even more and that 2018 mm. has been so successful for us and the work that we're doing. Can you tell us more about the 50 bills, 50 states thing? Because I think that's yeah. so relevant. Yeah, so it's becoming something that people know about a little bit more, but surprisingly, a lot of people don't know about conversion therapy. And it's the practice um, that at this point has been um, clearly indicated as uh, not reputable to try and change what somebody or how somebody identifies. And it's this belief that you can change somebody from being LGBTQ if you just do certain work with them or if you go through certain therapies. And so it's called thus conversion therapy. The 50 Bills, 50 States campaign is working with states in states across the country to pass legislation to get rid of this practice and to protect LGBTQ youth from it. Mm. Where are you at with that? Are you sort of doing a tick list of states that you've got? That's I, you know, I don't know that they actually have a large map in the office yeah, wall, but I, but I wish they would. I think that would be great. So 34 bills have passed some form of legislation at this point, but uh, there is a lot more that still has to be done. I got an impression that what the information you have provided, I got very excited about it, 
people. It's kind of Aaron Brockovich. Um, yes. You know, I was like, is Julia Roberts going uh, Is she around? I got the impression from your website, which is very comprehensive and easy to understand, the information is really well laid out, to say that. I think it was just brilliant. I came to, if I was coming to it as a young person, be like, this is very simple. I'm an old person. But, um, we'll let our team know. Yeah. That's but great. I think, no, really <laughs> impressive, I thought. It seems like that information that, that Trevor is providing, can you tell us about where it is legally in the, in the US? Because I didn't quite understand. It's like going through different courts. And that, Have I made sense? I, yes, yes, you have. So I do think, you know, while we do some advocacy work, the core of what we do is our crisis services, and so and you're not a political exactly, yeah, and we're and not I, a political organization. Not trying to couch with that, just so you, <laughs> just so you know, because I know you're not. I say the piece about us not being a political organization in part because I think it's really important that we, you know, even when people are coming to our organization, I, I feel like I always want to make sure it's very clear to folks that what we do can feel political to folks, but ultimately we are here to help the youth that are reaching out to us. And so that's that's why I kind of always feel like I, I want to do that emphasis. Yeah. Um, so as far as some of that, that advocacy work goes, we do lend our voice where it's helpful because again, very few other folks have access to the data and can show or say yeah. that this particular thing that is happening or this particular thing that was said is actually having a real life effect, right? We can make, a lot of times people can make assumptions that, oh, it's probably gonna affect this group of people. Yeah, we yeah. can show that we are seeing these effects. And so it's not so much that we are um, suing the government no. or anybody, but we are providing information when helpful to individuals. I get so impatient, often to my detriment, I think, because I want things changed now. And other people who I know work in larger organisations will go, uh, that's not going to happen, William. Uh, it's going to be about 20 years. And if I look at the arc of LGBT rights in the UK in the last 10 years, I mean, I came out as a pop star from the beginning of my career. No one had done that. Now it's like people don't even ask if someone's gay, you know. Um, do I feel bitter about that? Maybe a bit. But um, the... The overall arc, I think we've had an amazing ascension for LGBT rights. How do you stop yourselves? <laughs> one, one, getting political if something happens and, and getting frustrated and impatient. It's hard, but you know, it's funny, the first thing that came to my mind, and I think that's how I know I'm in the right job, when you were saying, you know, sometimes you want to do things so quickly, you need a balance of that. You need the person who's the big ideas person and who constantly wants to drive something forward and do it now, and then you also need the people who say, okay, but let's let's figure out what are what are the different steps of the bureaucracy that we need to go through. So it it is frustrating, but I think, you need to have a plan for doing something, yes. right? And and you need to have an understanding of the different levels of knowledge that people have. And um, we need to figure out, okay, what piece can we play within this to move this forward? Um, we can have that moment of frustration, but then let's all sit down, breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, now let's figure out how we can actually make this happen. And we always start from the young people who reach out to us. I feel now we really need to focus on young LGBT people. Because in terms of where we're at in the West, gay rights, people can get married. You know, people now have legal rights to be recognized. I feel like we're missing out on young gay people now. 
because the people of my generation are going, ah, well, we've arrived, this is wonderful. But however, it is not easy if gay shame is a huge thing. Great American author who wrote The Velvet Rage. Um, you know, I don't know if you know that book, but it's been read a lot in the UK. And gay shame, certainly. I give it to everyone for Christmas. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Put it in the stocking. Gave it to my grandmother. Stocking. Um, <laughs> she had a lot of gay shame. And I feel, um, oh, don't get me started now. <sighs> I feel like it's all about young LGBT people now. We can't forget that it's difficult for them still. Because we don't, you don't, there isn't a centralized education system in the US. We can't, we can't really infiltrate our education system even. And I just feel like people forget about them sometimes. Do you get a sense of that? I mean, the work you're doing is incredible. On a wider scale? I can definitely speak to the US. I think oftentimes folks talk about folks of different races not always having the same opportunities, folks of different sexual orientation not having the same opportunities. The same thing with age discrimination. It, it's real, it, it exists. Um, you know, many times youth are not really given a voice or we assume that there are things that that they can't make their own decisions or uh, they can't possibly know something. And mm -hmm. so, yes, I think all the time we actually do forget about them. I'm glad that there are organizations like ours that can really focus on a group that needs our help, uh, not just LGBTQ people, but LGBTQ youth. Providing a space for them to use their voice. There are many other spaces they can use it, but this is one space where hopefully they feel like it is safer. And if there's one thing that you want LGBTQ youth to know, what would it be? We'd want them to know that you're loved, um, we're here for you, and if you ever need anything, reach out, we'll be here to listen. What I loved particularly about that chat with them was all that incredible work they're doing about trying to stop gay conversion camps. 50 states, 50 bills, it's incredibly important work because it's a big thing in America. Yeah. And they very kindly gave us a bunch of Trevor Project t-shirts, which I think, but I could be wrong, Troy was also handing out on his tour. So the first three people to email in to hello at homosapienspodcast.com can have a free t-shirt posted to you by me. No way. They're in my cupboard at home. I'll oh do it. God, I hope you mess it up. I got this girl. I hope you mess it up big time. Just watch me. Big time. It's be like watching Bambi on the ice. Let's see how you fare when you're in the trenches of t-shirt hell. Song. <clears throat> I may not be a homo, but I'm all homo. Sapiens. And from Monday to Sunday, no, I don't we work our homos to the bone. To the bone. Out the May not be a homo child, but I'm child. But I'm a homo child. I tell you, oh, oh, it's getting sticky in here, child. Mm. Mm. Room Give for me some of that. Oh yeah, can't help myself. <laughs> Powered by Spirit Studios.